0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous Recovery from Relapse meeting. My name is Rita Q, and today it is Tuesday, the 6th of July, 2021. I am absolutely delighted to um, introduce our speaker, Charlotte D. Charlotte came to OA in 2004 and uh, got absent in November 2007. She is based in London, and I am going to let her share her experience, strength, and hope. Take it away, Charlotte. Thank you, Rita. Hello everyone. My name is Charlotte, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And it's amazing and wonderful to be here today. Um, yeah, it's, it's a privilege, as always, to be of service to this fellowship. And um, before I launch, in um, I just say that I speak from my own personal experience, not for OA as a whole. So take what you want, leave the rest, um, and hopefully um, there's something that you can take away that might help um, you in your recovery and welcome to all the newcomers today as well um so as rita said i have been in oa since 2004 um and i got abstinent in 2007 so i wanted to focus today on a bit about the uh those preliminary those first you know few years before i got abstinent and and what what was it what was it why did i keep picking up why why did i get to a point where i thought I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've got a head full of program and a body full of food uh, and I'm sick of it. And if the alcoholic can stay sober, then surely the compulsive overeater can stay abstinent. How do I do it? And um, it was really, really wonderful actually to reflect on my time in a way. I mean, I've I've been many different uh, sizes. Um, I've been a size at my top, I mean, I, I my top weight for me was a uh, size 18. Um, and my bottom weight was a size six. So I've been up and down the scales. I'm, I've been in, you know, my I'm a fundamentally a compulsive overeater. And I control food, sometimes with bulimia, sometimes with anorexia, diet pills, laxatives, speed, you know, you name it, I've been on the diet in whatever I could get my hands on legal or illegal to try and stop eating compulsively and hamper that you know dampen down the obsession and um i was yeah i was thinking about all the relapses i had in the first three years of being here and i have found peace and hope and a life in this program and i do believe that those first three years were fundamental to me in and out of the food i learned an awful lot and um there's a few bits I'd like to read from the big book because there, there were a lot of reasons why I picked up, <laughs> and uh, the, the the common denominator in all those reasons was me, um, and the fact I'm not a normal eater. I don't relate to food in a normal way. Um, I, I, you know, in if I go to a restaurant and I'm in the food, I'm not thinking about the person I'm with, I, I'm, I'm all about the food, when is it coming, how can I get it, what are you having, can I get some of yours, you know, it's just all about the food. And um, there's a bit, a couple of passages from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous um, that I'd like to share with you that really helped me with the, you know, breaking out of the denial, you know, I love that, uh, um, don't even know I'm lying, Um my denial was so thick I have binged and eaten compulsively for comfort for identity for solace for rage ever since I was six years old um, and it just got more and more damaging and abusive dishonest um, and was just like a lustful sordid affair with food um, it, it it really did govern my life and um, yeah I've been abstinent since November Uh, 3rd 2007 and I got abstinent in a women's refuge which I wasn't expecting it wasn't ideal circumstances and it just shows me that it doesn't have to be ideal circumstances to work this program you know today is a good time to start being abstinent right now I don't have to wait till tomorrow the diet waits till tomorrow and um Page uh, 58 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, this was the way I worked my programme, uh, changing the word alcohol to food, an alcoholic to compulsive overeater. What defines my powerlessness and my um, step 12 is what I'm powerless over, food, and who I carry my message to, the compulsive overeater, that's you and me. And it says here... Rarely have we seen this is chapter five how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not want, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And that's to be honest with themselves. It's not about me being abstinent for a sponsor or working a food plan and counting the number of days to be perfect or being accountable. Although these things are all very helpful tools in recovery, this is about when it's me in the kitchen making a meal, am I willing to say, God, please, would you help me? Would you guide my hands? Am I willing, between me and my higher power, to not put the second, third, portion on, to not pick and peck while I'm cooking, to not eat on the hoof, to not eat while I'm standing up, to plate up, you know, an abstinent meal, a plate of food without eliminating the carbs because that's going to make me thin, right? Eating more vegetables because there's more water in it, less fat, you know, all of these different ways, And then, what I discovered in my first three years, because it it was an awful journey coming into the fellowship, and I didn't want to be in OA. It didn't sound glamorous. I didn't want to be here. It wasn't rock and roll. And I spent three years mumbling the word compulsive overeater, proclaiming the word uh, bulimic because it sounded better. And and I had to eat compulsively in order to purge the food. So I, I tried to avoid. Um, that the acceptance, and that's the first thing I wanted to talk about today. I first picked up. I started working the program, uh, had a sponsor. These things are fundamental. Uh, step work, sponsor, making calls, and I had a total lack of acceptance that I was a compulsive overeater. Step one says we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives were unmanageable. My life was clearly unmanageable, but I kept doing step one of we admitted that life was unmanageable therefore I'm powerless over food and if I can just sort my food out my relationships my job my this my that if I could just sort you out because it's your fault it's my history it's my pain it's my childhood it's abuse it's this it's that then I'd be abstinent so I was forever trying to make lists of right to do lose weight stop this stop biting nails stop going off here stop doing that stop eating chocolate eat only this and it it I had to address the fact that I'm a compulsive overeater and that was my turning point to abstinence. I had to let go of my life, let go of everybody else's life, I let go of my what I think they should be doing and I had to look at myself. I'm a compulsive overeater, I'm powerless over food. Okay, what medicine do I need to address my powerlessness? And Very simply, powerlessness for me is lack of of power, and I thought I was all-powerful when I came into this uh, fellowship. All-powerful, yet broken, Uh, and they don't mix. And page 64 of the big book, and and this is the bit that hit me. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more compulsive overeaters than anything else. From its stem all forms of spiritual disease. For we've not only been mentally and physically ill, uh, we've been spiritually sick. And, and I found that really hard to accept. I didn't want any, I didn't even like the word spiritual. It, it, it really, um, I didn't want a spiritual solution. I wasn't here. I was here to lose weight um, and to look good and find a man and um, and maybe eat a little bit sometimes, you know. Uh, have my cake and eat it, I think they call. So I tried to find a sponsor who could be my mum. I tried to find a sponsor who had counselling skills. I tried to find a sponsor who could basically be some kind of mental health advocate for me and I just really the only thing I didn't want to talk about was the food I didn't want to share my food with you I didn't want you to know about my food I'll just work the steps right because that is the solution and it is the solution I had to address the fact that I was a compulsive overeater and my first relapse was after three months abstinent doing my step four I was doing step four and I just got up And I started, I had my abstinent breakfast, my porridge, my banana, whatever. And I just had then another bowl of porridge and another bowl of porridge. Five bowls of porridges, five bananas, all covered in sugar. Um, And... And that I was back on back on the binge cycle, you know, I mean, I don't even enjoy that binge. You know, it was just I wanted to get rid of the feelings. And what I did also realise is that I have an allergy to certain foods. So for me, I can't eat certain foods um, because it triggers me. But the rage, the absolute rage and I, as a compulsive overeater, and I'm not saying it's not OK to be angry, but it's a luxury I can't afford to hang out in because it will kill me. And um, I had so much rage and I was doing this step four and fundamentally at myself, fundamentally at people, everything, every breath anyone ever took. I just couldn't stand existing actually without food because it numbed me. And um, that was my first big relapse. My second big relapse was in step six. I was doing these step six inventories, seeing these defects, and it was becoming apparent to me that dishonesty was like um, breathing, <laughs> uh, and i didn't even know I was being dishonest. you know I thought dishonesty was basically stealing something, not telling somebody or telling a lie, but I didn't realize that the illness centers in my mind it's not just about food and picking up minutes. That's just, did you say twenty yeah, yes, thank, thank you um. So the illness centers in my mind and um, I didn't like that either, you know, I didn't want it to be about my thinking or my perceptions because um, it was just about losing weight. And, you know, I, I I I had a wonderful sponsor, my first sponsor, she did food work with me. She helped me learn how to be abstinent, how to learn how to have a relationship with food and then deal address with the steps, address the malady, address the thinking during the steps. And um, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what I saw. And so I I kept picking up. I didn't like things not going my way. I didn't like that the decisions I was making in my life weren't, um, they weren't loving to myself. They weren't kind, yet I didn't want to let go of them. And, you know, there's loads of. I was thinking, what passages could I share with you on, in the big book about, you know, my relapses? And um, I know that there was a bit, you know, there was a relationship that was going on for me in the first few years of my recovery. And it was so dishonest. And yet I wouldn't let go of it. And it's really hard to work an honest program, a rigorously honest program, but still be dishonest in areas of your life. But I, I found, and there's a bit on page 17, it's in relation to the sex inventory when we do step four. And it says, suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. This is our ideals for our future sort of sex life or our conduct. Does this mean we're going to binge? Some people tell us so, that this is only a half truth. It depends on us and on our motives. If we're sorry for what we've done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we'll be forgiven and we'll have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we're quite sure to binge. We're not theorising. These are facts out of our experience. And that was my experience, my motives. Uh, I didn't like having to be accountable for my motives. And when I got abstinent, it's very hard. I found it very hard to work this programme and have motives that were dishonest. And it kept taking me back to the food. And, And I will say that... You know just to, to, to bring you into my solution you know the solution that this fellowship has given me and it is it's just such a gift because i have i've been here i've been hanging out in these rooms now for about 16 17 years and I, I owe my life to it. And that's why I keep coming back. It's not a duty for me at all. I've taken a day off work to be here today, and I was like really excited. And I was asked to do this chair, I think last year, and it put it in the diary because you know it's this. It saved my life, and I I my last relapse, I I I remember it very clearly, and um, I was so broken. I, I was binging like all day it was daily binging I'd work through the steps I'd work through the big book I had all this knowledge I could talk the talk but I wasn't walking the walk I knew the big book you know I I read uh, the OA 12 and 12 you know I was a great advocate of the leaflets you know before you take that first compulsive bite but knowledge without application is nothing at all you know and I I had to just take it in baby steps I had a breakdown you know I, I ended up in a woman's refuge you know that's where my the relationship I refused to let go led me to and I started working with a sponsor again and I think I was so grateful that I was so broken. I, I mean I was eating round the clock, purging round the clock you know um, you know just very broken mentally um, and the binges were just so abusive and I, I knew that if I didn't come back into the fellowship and surrender on a level that was really uh, I had to pray for it that I was gonna die and there's a bit in the big book that says to be doomed to a compulsive overeating death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face and I just didn't want God please please nothing but that and yet I had no faith no relationship with anything I was just fearful that contempt prior to invest, I was fearful of what I didn't know and I knew very little but it's kind of like the painful familiar my finite mind is all that I know and stepping out of painful familiar And, you know, let God take us to better things. I don't know what God's will is. Today, it's very simple, stay abstinent, get your head on the pillow abstinent. You know, and I cried, I cried and cried and I called my sponsor and I checked in my food. I still do my prayers every morning, one, two and three. I'm still powerless. I wrote about my relationship with food and I wrote about it as if I was never gonna read it. I did my step book from the big book as if, you know, really explicit, really personal. Um, and shared it with a sponsor grateful free of charge she gave me hours of her time um, and I learned boundaries I learned respect for another human being I learned how to be on time Um, it's a daily program Uh, you know I'm 13 years abstinence by God's grace this year just over and it is a day at a time you know I, I, I life on life's terms isn't easy you know this program's teaching me how to experience the joy and the sadness. You know the the challenges. I've felt depressed in recovery, suicidal in recovery. I've wanted to self harm in recovery. I stopped smoking. Uh, I smoked cigarettes right up until my step nine. I don't apologise for. It, one of them because <laughs> I was a nutter I was absolutely anxious and overwhelmed and I have a life beyond my wildest dreams today I'm employable you know I can show up for a mother you know I can show up for the family um you know I'm learning boundaries life isn't perfect I still have illness you know uh, came through cancer last year but God's grace I'm all you know in remission now you know and and it's 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 okay just for today it's okay and if it doesn't feel okay pick up the phone you know pray to the high power and i remember how you know when i wrote about my step one i had to see it in black and white i had to write about my binges on paper you know and i had to start to put one foot in front of the other not question it trust the process look to the sponsor what does she have that I don't she's abstinent she's working the steps that's the only qualification that's the only qualification that, that she's abstinent and she's you know walking the walk talking the talk at the same time and I did a lot of writing and I worked through the big book and I have a relationship and a faith today um, and like any relationship it's hard work <laughs> I have to show up every day you know I have to do my part you know and I did work through the steps um, and I do have my will and my life over daily because I take it back daily I still have a food plan today. I don't call it into a sponsor, but I share it with God every morning. And I do have a sponsor today. I don't speak to them every day. I speak to them once a week. I've had lots of different sponsors in recovery, but I still work the same program that got me abstinent because if it's not broke, don't fix it. And that's the program I give to my sponsors. Um, it is a privilege. Yeah, it's a privilege to be alive today um, and to give back. And, you know, the person that gave me this program, I will be forever indebted to, you know, um, just like Dr. Bob's story, you know. And I do this, you know, because if somebody else's life can be transformed and they can live a day at a time, you know, without having to pick up, I feel quite emotional sharing this. Um, but I always remember, my, like my first I think day three of abstinence Um, I just said, I picked up the phone to this lady who's my sponsor, and I said, I can't do this. I'm sorry, I can't do it, it's too much. The feelings are too much. You know, I feel like I'm gonna crack up. And she said, when's your next meal? I said, at, you know, seven o'clock. And she said, well, what time is it? I said, five. And she said, you've got two more hours. Let's take it a minute at a time, you know, day at a time. Take it a minute at a time. And she said, all you've got to do is have one more meal, get your head on the pillow, absinthe, you know, and, and tomorrow will come. You know, and, and I just kept it that simple. And that's what helped me from not picking up. Um, yeah, I, I started sponsoring, you know, uh, I still take inventory. I'm going a bit all over the place, but I, did my, I do my steps one, two, and three every morning. What I'm powerless over. Ask God to restore me to sanity. I say my step three prayer and I do inventory at night. So I look at my resentments, do gratitude, do a food review. I wanna be accountable for my food you know, so I share it with my higher power, you know, and relapse never happens overnight, it happens over, you know, three to four weeks of dishonesty, either in my, my dishonesty in the thinking, dishonesty in the active, um, in the food, and, and that's the, you know, it's the courage, you know, it talks about in the steps being fearless, um, and I have to pray for that, because I'm a total coward, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and filled with fear, you know, 100 forms of fear and delusion, and I don't have to be like that today, you know, I can flip it, and ask for the for God's grace to give me it. And I, uh, you know, work for steps four through to nine in my step ten, and I develop this relationship with my higher power, and I check in with God. And it's it's hold on. They were the most loving words that that were were said to me in my first year of abstinence. Hold on, Charlotte, just hold on. You know, one more meal to go. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, thinking if there's anything else that uh would be really helpful i think sponsorship is is brilliant um but if you are in the food right now you know i think the thing i would say is it doesn't have to always be like that you know i, I used to binge on on the way to meetings binge home from meetings hate the people that were abstinent you know <laughs> couldn't do it couldn't do this and i, I had to just really stop and um and face my fear because I was running. Every time I picked up, I was running, 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 and I had to stand still. And that's not easy. And that's why this program is we admitted with powerless. We came to believe it's a wee job. You know, kind of, we can't do this alone. You know, my illness is one of isolation. And um, yeah, it, it, it breeds in darkness. It breeds, it, it needs the light. And um, I can only ever binge on a lie. I can never binge if I'm in my truth. Um, and my defects, if I stay in them, they will take me back. So that's why this program has six and seven daily. Um, I think I'm coming to an end um do I how many how long do I have left? over nine minutes do I have over nine minutes? okay, so let me think how I can use that time wisely. So maybe I can talk about my tools that help me um, in um, in my day to day life so Being in programme one day at a time for 13 years abstinent, how is that possible Um, for somebody who couldn't get an hour without picking up? So when I do my food plan in the morning, for me, I have a 301 plan. It's not one size fits all, though. Um, our dignity of choice leaflet and our plan of eating leaflet. Um, World Service are merging that leaflet into one. So there's lots of options. Um, It's not one size fits all. So so it's not my way is the right way. My way is what works for me. And the reason I have three meals a day in those snacks is because the snacks, um, the more hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, the more it triggers the obsession. I have a mental obsession, an obsession of the mind, an analogy of the body, And the doctor's opinion comes first in the big book before the steps, um, and it it calls it an illness. And I do believe I have an illness today. Um, And I think that was the breaking point for me in getting well, is that I accepted it as an illness and I treat it as an illness today. I don't treat it as a moral failing. I'm bad, weak-willed. Yeah, it's, it's compassion for self is important and also challenging myself as well uh, when I'm full of it, <laughs> you know, when I'm justifying or minimizing or blaming. So I write down my food every day. I don't eliminate carbohydrates today. I don't just eat proteins and I don't just eat veg. I eat all of it and I have a balanced plate of food. Um, I don't, for me personally, I don't eat uh, refined sugars or white flour. Purely because it just, once I put that in my body, it just sets off a craving and the Big Book calls it a phenomenon and it's hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, or if it's not hand to mouth, it's a white knuckle, get out of the way, uh, you're annoying me, get out the way, I just want my food, I just want my food, that's all I can think about is the food, people annoy me, feelings annoy me, the whole world annoys me and my whole life is where can I get that next compulsive bite and it's the first one that does the damage. Um, So when I go into the kitchen, the thing that uh, helped me was I was taught, um, uh, suggested, rock up and ask this higher power that you don't believe in Charlotte, and you (laughs) very vocally didn't believe. She said, I'm just going to give you what I've got. So she said, go into the kitchen, rock up and um, get the ingredients out on your food plan and say, God, please guide my hands. Please show me what to do. Even if you know how to make what you're making, Uh, and you've made it a hundred times still ask your higher power because it gives you the pause for the cause you know it it, it breaks my autopilot because before I know it I'm just hand to mouth hand to mouth nibbling as I cook you know testing and tasting and nibbling and then I've eaten it you know hasn't even got to the table so I don't pick and peck while I cook and I ask for God's help um, and I plate up the food and I say a prayer couldn't believe it you know it, like me say a prayer but I do I I say a prayer at the beginning of the meal and I say thank you at the end of the meal and what that does for me is it gives it a beginning a middle and an end job done don't need second third fourth fifth portions don't need to start hanging out by the fridge you know just sort of opening closing how's it all going you know I just yeah, I've done my bit and I always say thank you at the end and that just does it gives it a full stop Um, And I do eat fruit um, and I finish off the meal that works for me, not all fruits, but um, it's, it's personal. The only reason I know I eat what I eat today is because I've done a step one. I've done food work with a sponsor and I've looked at the evidence. And I think that for me is the turning point. I never go with what I think or what somebody else thinks. What is the evidence of my experience? And then I work that with a, I've with worked that with a sponsor. So it doesn't matter if I've had a number of sponsors in recovery. Um, the, the one I had that took me through the steps for the first three years- Five ha- minutes. Thank you very much. I have- um, I have looked at what I'm powerless over and my step one doesn't change. You know, my illness is progressive, but the evidence doesn't change. So I look at the evidence. Um, so today I have my three meals um, and I have gaps in between. It's a miracle. I have gaps in between where I can experience life and um I do a food review in the evening, and I've done a food review, I think, every day nearly for my abstinence. And, you know, it's not anything amazing, it's just my experience of the meal. Was it honest? You know, was it a good portion size? Was it clean? And it just keeps me accountable, really, to myself, my higher power. And if something is concerning me or I've on a bit of weight or da-da-da-da-da, I just share it with my sponsor and, and we look at it. And also, having had health challenges in recovery, you know, we all go through different life experiences, don't we, whether it be pregnancy or, you know, menopause or, or you know, bodies change. So it, it's about being human with it. It's not about being prescriptive. Um, what it is about in all stages of life is honesty and and I think that's the thing am I being rigorously honest with myself um you know and that's hard it makes me grin (laughs) is my motive um and I can still I can go out to eat with people I can you know cook dinner for friends I can still be part of life go to restaurants I do have to always remember though that I have an illness and um you know, I plan, you know, if I know that uh, we're going to a restaurant, I will just, you know, make sure that is there something I can eat? You know, is there something abstinent I can have, you know, don't have to cause a drama, but I take my high power with me, you know, um, when I go to a restaurant or if I'm going to a wedding, buffets, they can be very interesting experiences, <laughs> you know, but I take my high power with me. If I'm on a particularly rocky place emotionally, I will do a bookend, I will do a call to an OA before I go to the event, I'll go to the loo during the event and then I'll just simply help me. You know, there's all these like volivons and all this sort of carbs, carbs everywhere, you know, but, but stuff that I can't eat. And it's like, okay, what can you eat? What's your business? And everybody else, that's none of your business, you know, and a really helpful slogan. Um, that I was showing is that keep, Charlotte keep your eyes on your own plate because I spent the first sort of six months of abstinence saying yeah but she does this and he does that and they do this so why am I doing that she, <laughs> you know and it's like Charlotte have you been abstinent for a few weeks now yes well why don't you keep doing what you've been doing look at the evidence because I'm compulsive I want to change things all the time I want to do this I want to do that you know and I think it's consistency and I've had to you know I feel like I've been raised in a way you know I came as a you know I started compulsive eating when I was six and um you know a 42 year old woman now you know I've grown up in these rooms it's and growing I think is the word growing up you know emotionally um so yes my program's with me today and I think you know I have to remain teachable you know step six and seven are all about humility aren't they if, if you're not familiar what they are, they're about having done steps four and five and looked at my resentments and my defects, you know, I have to humbly hand this stuff over. Um, but with regard to food, um, I have a good relationship with it So I learned to cook in recovery. No cordon bleu, just Nice meals, I I have a food plan that I enjoy. And I think that's really important. You know, for me, I have to have a good experience. I have to have a healthy relationship with food. I used to have a bad one. Today I have to have a healthy one. Um, and I do have a healthy one but it's because of a high power you know a food plan without a high power might as well be a diet for me and that's for me you know I I don't speak for any other you know group you know if you're agnostic or atheist I mean I just speak for myself I have to know that it's not me running the show it's not me running the show Um, and I still get to three meetings a week um, different meetings and home group meeting and just knowing my fellows and being part of the meeting. I just feel enriched by it. Um, I feel spiritually alive by it, even on days when I might feel a bit down. Last year was particularly tough for all of us, for all of us in our individual circumstances. and I had, you know, health was hard. Faith was faith. Faith got a bit challenging at times. I just thought, what, what, what help, help? Why help? And uh, you know, a helpful sponsor once said, never ask why, Charlotte. Why this? Why that? How? How? How do I do this? Honesty, open mindedness, willingness. Because my, you know, the whys don't get me anywhere. Why am I compulsive overeater? Why did that happen? Why? How can I be abstinent today? what can I do to strengthen my recovery? What is the next best right thing for my recovery? Is this this next action going to take me towards my illness or my recovery? And that's what, I'll finish here, that's what recovery about for me. It's about choice, it's about choice now. I don't have to pick up, I can choose not to. It just means I have to work quite hard, you know, if it's to having a tough time. I hope that's helped uh, in some way (laughs) and um, it's been a real pleasure to be with you today so thank you for listening. Charlotte thank you so much that was just wonderful absolutely wonderful we'll stop the recording there if you can.